Most Divided Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another House Divided Podcast. I am your host, Brendan, with my co-host, Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you? Doing well, Brendan. It's, uh, it's a busy week in our two fandoms, and thank God we only have four more weeks of fighting without actual results. So Yeah, yeah and then we get to watch each other play MAC teams and argue about who did better. <laughs> Listen... I saw that like Western Kentucky was getting some love preseason. I'm already nervous about that game. So don't, don't let me overlook my, uh, we have Northwestern up first, so I don't get yeah. to use any of this thing. Oh I, my I God, you have Northwestern up first? <laughs> I didn't on a know Friday, that. On a Friday night. So, oh, uh, hell yeah. Please tell me uh, it's in Evanston. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh yeah. That's going to be some good old schadenfraud. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. I, Oh, thank God. You nailed it. Didn't look like a dumbass yet. 30 <laughs> seconds then. That's that's a record. Uh, man, but you're right. It has been a busy week for news, so let's just dive in. You got some MSU-specific news. Yeah, a little bit of uh, finally got a basketball commit in 2022. Uh, we continue to have this show just come through and love Patino. Patino not recruiting the state of Minnesota helps us out. So again, right. he gives us more content, Brendan. We love him for it. We stand a man. Uh, that last six seconds. So Trey <laughs> Holloman uh, out of Creighton Durham Hall, which I always love getting a kid out of Creighton Durham Hall because that's basically who Eden Hall prep is sort of based on from Mighty Ducks. So there we go. A little bit of mix of them and Eden Prairie. So give me more kids from Creighton Durham. Uh, but no, uh, ranked number one in the state, uh, 24-7 composite, had him 70th nationally, plays point guard, uh, which I think is a definite team need. Uh, the assumption for me is that, um, you know, that's a position that you need to fill next year after Walker leaves. I assume that Walker is gone and uh, doesn't use an extra year, kind of uses MSU as a springboard to the pros. Uh, so it should be some availability for Trey to play early. Um, the other thing that's a little bit appetizing about him is he's also a three-star in football. There's, I haven't seen anything that came out if he's playing the try both at MSU. Um, definitely a basketball first commitment, uh, but it might be another two-sport guy, which we would now have, I think, like three that are football and basketball at MSU. So kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, genuinely jealous about that. That's cool as shit. Um, I, I, I love dual sport athletes. I think it's awesome. I mean, Michigan's had a few, I think, I think they had a, somebody play baseball and football, um, recently, but I can't remember who. Yeah. Uh, and state has one of those right now. He's a better baseball player than a football player, but I think that was uh, the situation at Michigan as well. Isn't it a did Jabril run track or do anything? It's a I don't remember. In other sports. Cause I just I don't remember. Jabril, like, he could have been like stealing every base uh, in baseball. <laughs> Dude, you know who he could have been in basketball? Well, he, no, this is disrespectful. Don't take this seriously. I'm going to say it anyways, but I, but I don't believe it. 
Um, Jabril Peppers could have been like Xavier Simpson on the basketball court where he's just fucking fast as shit and just in your face on defense all the time. The where it gets disrespectful is Xavier Simpson was a very crafty basketball player okay. and a can lot be, of skill in his game. Can I get you can I get your fan so mad? Just say that he was Tum Tum Nairn. He could just be Tum Tum Nairn where he just runs really fast and you're like, I didn't know what to do with the basketball. Yeah. So uh yeah that's probably <laughs> i wanted to see jabril do any other sport and it's sad that we didn't get that so yeah well it's never too late maybe maybe in his retirement he won't come back to college but you never know maybe yeah he knew a little baseball when he retires from, from football all right well, well i'm not sure how... someone retire every day so <laughs> Yep, that's right. Um, I was going to make that joke, but I couldn't remember for sure if he was still on the Giants. So <laughs> I'm very, I'm still progressing no in the football either. brain. I'm still progressing in the football brain. Um, no, so I don't know how we've let the MSU basketball commitment news derail us to Jabril Peppers, but uh, <laughs> there was another piece of MSU specific news, I think, as well. Uh, yeah. It would have been one that we missed if we recorded earlier today. Uh, so after a delay last week due to big air quotes, his air conditioning and internet going <laughs> down, uh, JD Maynum did uh, end up between MSG today, which is a good, uh, I think that's like their fifth defensive back in the class, fourth or fifth, um, helps kind of shore up in-state recruiting uh, with three, four stars out of the state of Michigan. So after a slow start recruiting the state of Michigan, kind of come around and uh, Mel Tucker's made some inroads. And so that, that's good to see. And this is like, to me, this is a pretty big close um, or shows his skill and his relatability to people. Because uh, if you'll remember, one of the most outspoken players or most hurt players when Mel left Colorado was Jaden's older brother, Jaron, who was a freshman running back. MSU was in on Jaron. I think it came down to, to MSU in Colorado, if I remember right, on his recruitment. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure Colorado was, Twitter reacted extremely <laughs> calm to this news. Yeah. So, no, 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 no. The, the, the older brother, it came down to MSU in Colorado. Oh, Jayden, gotcha, oh, no. gotcha, yeah. gotcha. His older brother already transferred out of Colorado, I believe. So, gotcha, that makes um, sense. Okay. But, but apparently this was one where, like, dad understood, hey, money was on the table. He, he took the better paying job and – and the brother under or Jaden, who obviously committed today, he understood. But apparently, news was a lot of the family uh, needed to be convinced. So, <laughs> um, you know, that's something that's a big uphill battle for an in-state kid. Uh, it came down to MSU, and I think North, I think West Virginia was probably his his second choice. But uh, gotcha. yeah, so that's a good get to me. It's it shows the chops of just being able. He was supposed to commit last Sunday. He visited on Saturday. They also did enough to make him rethink what he was going to do Sunday and then eventually close the deal. So um, just shows the chops to me. It's, you know, a top 300 kid on the composite rating. So that's always good. But beyond that, I think just seeing the chops of uh, being able to close that deal, that's not super easy with an in-state kid there. Yeah, that's impressive. Could you imagine if like for some reason, like neck like this year MSU goes like nine and three or something and like almost beats Ohio State and then Ryan Day heads to the NFL and next year Mel Tucker goes to goes to gets hired by Ohio State. This family 
we'll just <laughs> curse you, Mal Tucker. Yeah, yeah, that would that'd be, be tough. Uh, that'd be tough. That'd be a tough look. Tough look. <laughs> In <laughs> another situation where nobody could blame him, though, like nobody could blame him. Just this poor family, you know. Yeah, um, that was yeah. a good hypothetical. We've really gone off the rails here, and it's not even into the section where I thought we were going to go off the rails. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so now. We have more news. Uh, this one involves both schools, because yet it's another another MSU commit. So that's not great news for Michigan fans. Uh, Austin Van Simmeren. Alex. Alex Van Simmeren <laughs> has committed to Michigan State. Uh, Michigan fans, other than me, because I forgot his first name, may know him as the guy who was committed to Michigan at one point. So, and who brother of former Michigan Wolverine, Ben Van Sumeren, who transferred to Michigan state. Um, not hard to see how this happened, uh, nor was it surprising. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely a, a good get from Al, just a lot, a long-term recruitment. Um, you know, like one of those where even before Alex was, cause I want to say Alex was I'm trying to look up the dates here. He was committed pretty early to Michigan. I mean, like early in his junior year, uh, which I, I mean, that happens, right? When your brother's on the team, you can probably commit a little bit earlier than a lot of other guys in your class. Um, but just one that when Mel got here, we were pretty far behind if he wasn't already committed to Michigan. Yeah, he was committed last February. So, ah, oh, you beat um, me to it. Or wait. Yeah. No, February of 2011, 21, 2021. Yeah. He decommitted in oh, February of 21. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, it, I'm continuing to search back. He committed in December of 2019. So yeah, you were right. It was way early. Yeah. Way early before Mel's even hired. So, you know, he comes in, Alex has already committed to Michigan. One of the top players in the state, you know, um, is already off your board and, you know, all credit to uh, J.P. Eagler, who's the running backs coach at MSU, apparently just started the conversation with Alex. Not a, not even his position, but just kind of like, I'm a running backs coach. I got to recruit like one guy a year. So how about I help <laughs> some other guys out and just kind of like throw some throw some bait in the water and see what happens. And um, that paid off because I think, you know, from what the family says, I think there's a lot of like, you know, if you're a loyal guy or, you know, that long-term relationship is big to them. Um you know, and, and they closed the deal before fall happens because, as we know, Clemson does not do fall visits, and Clemson was in on. Uh, Alex was said he couldn't commit or couldn't visit until the fall, and he wanted to get this over with before his fall football season. He doesn't like the recruitment part of life. So, again, kind of falls into order for Mel, but that's one that is a big in-state grab. It's not a, necessarily a high school that they're probably going to go back to a bunch, but – I think it just shows that uh, they're going to compete for guys. They're not going to get all of them, but that's it's a good competition. And uh, it'll make the, the rivalry a little bit extra spicy, that decommitment, you know, especially because it'll be the perfect style of decommitment. Brandon is one that Michigan fans actually they don't care about and MSU fans over care about. So it will fit our narratives perfect. You're right. It was actually all a long play for me to act like I forgot his name to show that I did <laughs> I actually have been driven insane by this over the past year or so. Yeah. 
It hurt you. It's only been seven. I'm sorry. It's only been half a year since he even decommitted. So, but it feels like so much longer. The betrayal. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, The betrayal started when Ben, when his brother Ben was getting key minutes at times he really, really shouldn't have been. (laughs) Anyways, one last piece of news. This one kind of involves both schools because uh, Tom Izzo did want Terrace Reed, Uh, but Terrace Reed has committed to the Michigan basketball program. He is the second commit of the class of 2022 joining Doug McDaniel. Um, Terrace Reed, for those of you who don't know, is a 6'10 center, uh, really, really athletic from what I've seen. Um, lots of physical upside. And the good news is uh, when players with lots of physical upside, especially at the center position, come in. Juwan Howard can do something with that. I mean, for God's sake, Austin Davis under John Beeline was like, like a like a meme player. Like when he came in, it was like, oh, oh, Austin Davis is in. And then he, uh, Juwan Howard turned him in. Well, he didn't turn him into. Don't want to take away from Austin Davis, but uh, Austin Davis developed into a freaking bucket under <laughs> Juwan Howard. And uh, so when you see guys with potential like Terrace Reed. Uh, makes you really excited. So big commitment. I actually saw Terrace Reed for the first time because uh, DK on Michigan State Twitter uh, posted clips of him saying MSU was interested. And I was like, man, he looks pretty good. And so this one was pretty gratifying for me seeing Michigan pick up the commitment. Um, thoughts? Uh, it's going to be really hard to beat Juwan Howard for a center that he wants. That's a good point. Yeah. I think that's going to be the thing. And and for Michigan State fans, like to kind of even out the whole Michigan fans can walk away from the end summer and like, ah, we didn't really care. Uh, Michigan State fans can say, like, yeah, we were beat head to head, but uh, it's a Missouri kid. Like, we'll take that loss. But when this is going to get really spicy is when there's a really good center in the state of Michigan. And that is going to be a hard battle right there. Because you know, Izzo prioritizes Michigan, but I don't think. You know, if you're a center prospect, there's really not much better out there than going to go play for Juwan Howard. Like, he's developed guys as an NBA coach. He developed himself into an NBA player. He's developing college guys at that position really, really well. I just, I mean, I don't know. That's going to be uh, an epic battle when, when we get an in-state center that they both really, really want to dig in on. That's going to be nice. That's a good point. I didn't think of that, but that's a really, really good point. Um, yeah. I mean, it was a head-to-head win. It felt like, from what I saw, MSU may have been in on him a little bit later. Not not in terms of reaching out to him first, but really going after him. Um, but I, I'm not sure. But I completely agree with your sentiment. Um, after watching Juwan Howard coach in college for two years, with the results he's produced, um, and how good Hunter Dickinson was this year, I, and I think I'm hoping that Michigan center play for years to come with Hunter and Musa this year and uh, potentially Terrace. The following is if you watch a Michigan game, it's just going to be a live center recruitment because of watching how those guys play. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it will be a center factory. Although I will say 
when it comes to winning a national championship, I think you should prioritize elite guard play. But I, I mean, I, you, I want elite players. And so I'm not going to complain about him continually bringing in these top guys for to play the center position. No, no complaints from you should happen. Uh, good get for Juwan. And it's, it's exciting to think about where this basketball program could go under Juwan and, uh, and the battles that could be coming up. It's going to be fun. I know. I, you know, recently, before we dive into the big point of this episode, which is going to be previewing uh, both offenses for Michigan and Michigan State, um, I was looking at the schedule for this year. And, I mean, both of our teams are playing lots of good non-conference games. I just Michigan with, uh, you know, Seton Hall is going to be pretty cool. Uh, but I, I mean, there's just so many cool games coming up in the non-conference, but then I was looking at the conference schedule and I, I wouldn't spend a future on Michigan to win the big 10 this year, only because they're going to be young in some important areas. And dude, I was looking at the teams. They play twice. It's like, Iowa, Michigan State, Illinois, like, like all of the teams being predicted. Ohio State, Purdue, both of them, you have to play twice. And I was just like, man, I've seen a lot of good teams go through a schedule like that and just come up short. It's gonna, But there's going to be lots of really good games next year. Just made me excited for college basketball season. It's going to be awesome. Get your shots so we can – watch these teams put up their shots. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, don't even – yeah. Okay, football. <laughs> Go from one disaster to another. Uh, so <laughs> I only say that, folks, because BTN is currently airing last year's Michigan-Michigan State game, and I truly hate myself and am watching it during this recording. I don't think it's that bleak for Michigan and Michigan State this year, do you? Not on this side of the ball. At least for Michigan, I think the big problem is going to be on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, MSU, I guess there's always that eternal optimism that you could uh, finally turn around the offense. But I think there's enough there that it it feels more likely. You know, you hit that transfer market, it, it helps you not have to wait on a, on a freshman to develop. That's so, right. That's right. So – uh, we are going to try a different format for this year, folks. We're going to try and let this be a more flowy conversation instead of rigid and going through position by position. We're going to go through a couple different categories of player where we each get to pick our favorite for that category, and we'll just see where the conversation takes us. So, Jeremy, you uh, you named the category, so I'm going to let you introduce the first one. Uh, it, let, let's get this rolling. Yeah, so I guess I come in with like our top dog, top player on offense. Um, despite his showing against Michigan last year, I'm not going to go with Ricky White because we don't even know for sure Ricky White's going to play, but they will just save him for the Michigan game. Um, just to have the heat death of Brian Cook having to write that we once again only care about being you guys. Uh, so my top dog is like we talked about that transfer market. Uh, going to be Kenneth Walker the third. Put some respect on the third, Brendan. Uh, but the transfer running back out of Wake Forest, I mean, we did – again, this is an amazing stat that weird COVID year, people maybe forget. Uh, MSU did not have a rushing touchdown from a running back last year. So That is nuts. It's insane. When you have a goal line back like 
Connor Hayward and you can't even at least just like punch in like a goal line touchdown, like nothing, nothing all season. And again, shortened season, seven games, all conference games. There's some weird caveats to it, but even if you went seven out of 12 in a normal season without uh, a rushing touchdown from a running back, that would be wild. So um, to me, he's the biggest impact player coming in. I think he is a legitimate one year and go to the ND or go to the NFL <laughs> uh, prospect. Um, just because, again, I mean, he's a running back. So you got to get to the league as soon as you can, quitting those hits. So uh, he, to me, is one that really signaled this season could be maybe a little bit of a higher ceiling on offense, not just wins and losses, but on offense than what we've had. So mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be me for, uh, for Michigan State. What do you, who's the uh, big guy on Michigan this year for you guys? Well, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to pick a whole room. I'm going to pick a whole position. And I think the running back room is going to be Michigan's top dog on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, there is always the chance that the staff could get the deployment wrong. And to be honest, I think I would rate the chances higher that they do get it wrong than that they get it right, um, just based on previous data. But, I mean, this this running back room of Hassan Haskins, it's just been, like, one of those, like, how is he still here players uh, just because of how long I feel like I've been watching him and he's been trucking through dudes. Um, and just to have him as your lead back who just doesn't go down on first contact. And then Blake Corum showed so many flashes of speed and burst uh, last year, I think with an off season of development and maybe a more prominent role, I think you could see huge things from him. And to top it off, you got the five star from last year and Donovan Edwards is walking in as a true freshman. And honestly, it's just ridiculously athletic, like ridiculous, like 247 has his top NFL comp as Alvin Kamara. Ridiculous. So, um, We've seen the, the the big Michigan running back recruit come in before and absolutely bomb, but you can't live in the past when you're a fan. You got to just go, this one's going to work out. And so I'm hoping that he has some limited moments as a freshman unless he absolutely knocks the door down in camp. Uh, but I think he could be a very good compliment. If, if he's in the game, you can't take the playoff, you know? So I think they have a – they clearly have a lot of talent in the running back room. It's just whether they can get the deployment right, get the blocking that they need, which I am feeling good about the offensive line. We can get more specific with that later. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel optimistic about Michigan's run game. That, that's my top dog on the team. And then, and then optimism for John Edwards as well. Like, you know, this is kind of similar to Walker. You just got to show and go. If you're Jim Harbaugh, there's no reason to save Donovan Edwards' carries or game planning for future years because you aren't maybe fully on the hot seat. Yeah, who knows? I think for MSU fans, we all just say he's on the hot seat, but I don't know if he's actually on the hot seat or not. But there's some. I mean, I, so, I don't know. So it's hard. That- it's hard when you're coming off the COVID year. You know, yep. they went two and four and they sucked. But like. Yep there is so much question marks around that year. They didn't have a fucking safeties coach. Like it was just such a weird situation. I, it's a hard to define, right? Because right. you come into but this. I, feel, I think yeah. you've got to feel at least feel the heat, right. To 
Yes, I, I agree. Donovan I wanted him like fired. For me, yeah, for <laughs> me, it's it's if you feel super safe, you can say like, ah, I don't want to use Edwards too much this year. Like, if we need him, we'll use him. We'll use him in the Ohio State game. Like, we'll do things with him, but. I want to save him. I want to kind of put him in my back pocket, have him for the future. We've got good running backs ahead of him. But for this year now, when you're you're trying to like you're in like job save mode or at least like get some momentum back, um, use him. And his high school coaches on your staff. So you gotta be now, like, I'm using him. I so, I see your point and I agree. And I would love nothing more than to see a bunch of Donovan Edwards carries this year. Or I'm uh, thinking the, like just find ways to get him in right like do bubble yeah. screens do my, do my only they've done this before where they have a loaded running back room and they did have a loaded running back room last year and the year before and they spread the carries out too much and none of them get in a rhythm that's my big fear and so that's the only reason i could say well i get wanting to get donovan edwards in and I think if you if if he goes into camp and he's better than Blake Corum or he's better than Hassan Haskins, I want the two best running backs primarily to get the carries. And um, the third one's obviously going to get involved and people are going to get hurt. But I think that's maybe what it should be. If Donovan Edwards comes in and maybe he's physically is kind of where Blake and uh, Hassan are at, but just is still mentally grasping the offense – then don't play him. Let him practice. One of them's going to get hurt. You're, he's going to get in this year. He is the easy third back on the roster. Maybe just don't worry about him the first part of the season. But again, if he comes in, he's grasping the offense, or even if he's not fully, but his athletic ability is just taking him past, um, then fuck it, play him. But, but don't don't let it ruin the whole rotation is my thing. That's just it. They, the, the, the big guys of the group, the, the producers of the group need to be able to find a rhythm. That's my, that's my concern with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, despite you skirting uh, the rule and, and doing a whole room for your top dog, I'm, I'll allow it. Uh, and I like <laughs> that we got to dive deep on Donovan Edwards there. Uh, as another recruiting head-to-head battle that these two teams had. So, um, no, it's an exciting room. I think I think everyone in the conference both has a mix of how is Hassan Hoskins not graduated, but at the same time also completely overlooks him. So yeah. uh, it's kind of wild, right, that you, like, both think, man, he's been there and he's been impacting plays that I've been watching forever. How is he still there? But then you also, you know, on the other side, say, like, yeah, never really thought much of him, but I guess he is pretty good, huh? So it's it's wild to me that uh, that we've had both, but it's a, he's fell into both, and this could be a good year for him. For yeah, sure. I, I think so too. Um, so the next topic for us, we'll just keep this going. I'll take this. This one is money to make, and I just wanna I want to make sure I've got this right before we head into it and we explain to the listeners. This is all about upside, right? Or it's all about achieving who do we see that could just go out and really, they might not hit their upside fully, but they could just overachieve and we could see it. Is that correct? Yeah. Overachieve. It's not the guy who like has got a second round grade right now. And then he moves into the back half of the first round. It's the guy who, you know, is maybe a day three draft pick or undrafted and 
a good season this year, and all of a sudden you're like, ooh, that guy. We got to look at him for day one or day two. So, yeah, someone who uh, – or it could be someone that maybe is, like, established, but you've got to see a little bit more. And, no, uh, I hear you. You know. I hear you. So mine, I'm, I'm going to go with a player who's going into his sophomore year. Um, and so maybe this could be the situation where he could really start to be looked at for some 2024 mock drafts or big boards. Um, I think Roman Wilson, the wide receiver out of Hawaii, that was a true freshman last year. Um, having this game on the TV, funny enough, really reminded me about Roman Wilson and that dude is as fast as a bullet. He is so quick to the point where he was an active part of Michigan's offense as a true freshman. And everybody knows true freshman receivers tend to suck. They really do. And so this, that that's big. And um, a lot of people might be overlooking it, but I think if he polishes his route running a little bit more and uh, can get more separation uh, right off the, the go of the play, I, I think he could really blow up just because the physical tools are there. I think more of it could be about a quarterback to throw to him, but I, I, I see the potential there. And I think that's an answer. Maybe not a lot of Michigan fans would go with, but oh, I like that. That's a deep cut. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I think he's really got the, the physical traits and I mean, he's just so fast, man. Like it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I think he won the Hawaii state championship in track and field for, for a couple of events. So he, he's, he's, he's real athletic. I feel good. I, like it. I feel good for Michigan state. Who's your, who, who's got the money to make Jeremy, oh, man. There's a couple of guys that kind of went over in my head um, with this one, but I think you're going to stick with the transfer vibe. Uh, Anthony Russo, because really, I mean, the guy will just straight up tell you in interviews, like, he left Temple to go to a bigger conference, bigger school with a chance at starting to get his draft stock up. Like that is the goal. He wants to win a championship. He said so, you know, this week at um, the the media day or the media availability after um, some of fall camp. But I think, you know, that's a guy that is personally motivated on top of being team motivated. And he's got a ton of, uh, a ton on the line for him here, right? And and I think I can say a lot about the program too. Of if Peyton Thorne beats him out in fall camp, I think MSU you can spin that like, hey, Peyton looked good last year at times. He really hung on to the job. Uh, we all liked getting Russo. He's got a big arm, but you know maybe that step from Temple wasn't quite ready for it. You know couldn't get the playbook down. Um, but for for Russo, like he again, if he comes in and can cut down the mistakes and you can say the interception problem at Temple wasn't his decision-making, it was maybe athletes around him, all of a sudden your ceiling again bumps up just a little bit more, just like with Kenneth Walker. And it's an approach that for an MSU fan we're not used to. Granted, the portal wasn't around all of Mark D'Antonio's tenure, but this isn't something that you could see Mark D'Antonio doing, like rolling out the ball and saying, new QB1, new RB1, I got him in the portal. You know, so that completely is a new way of attacking uh, your roster and, and a turnaround. So for me, it's got to be Russo, man. He can he can jump from Temple to the Big Ten, and if he gets this MSU offense, you know, even serviceable um, and cuts down his mistakes, all of a sudden 
with his attributes, that guy's changing his life, you know? So. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, let's keep the ball rolling with you. Uh, who's your scary movie? Oh God. I, this one might have to be the whole room. Um, Cause you know what? It could sound like I'm calling out, you know, an individual player here, but it's not. So I'm going to go with the whole room of the tight end room. Uh, and the reason being is Tyler Hunt still looks like he could be a number one tight end. And this is a punter converted to tight end. And he did it very serviceably. He was not bad last year. But again, you you want to be in a Big Ten program and challenge for championships. You shouldn't have projects at tight end. There should be someone in that room that can beat out the guy who started his college football career punting. Um, no matter what, no matter how much work he puts in, how good he gets, you got to have a guy that can beat that guy. Um, yeah. I think we have some freshmen, like Cam Allen is a, is a personal love of mine freshman-wise that I think can develop, but we need to see someone. Trenton Gillison was, I want to say, a high three-star, maybe a low four-star coming out of high school in Ohio. Never really shown much as far as blocking, so he can't get on the field. Um, he needs something there. Uh, I was kind of surprised they didn't make that a bigger priority in the portal, to be honest, because it, it was a position that I felt like needed a quick turnaround, but obviously they hit some other spots more. Um, but that's, that's gotta be the biggest weakness that in, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll stick with that. That's gotta be the biggest concern on offense for MSU. Yeah. Um, that all seems fair. Um, my biggest concern on Michigan's offense, and this should come to the surprise of absolutely nobody is I'll go with a room as well. Cause I don't want to put this all on Cape McNamara. Um, but it's the quarterback room for Michigan. Yeah. And uh, really, how could it not be? Um, this is nothing against the guys personally in there. Cape McNamara, when he was healthy against Rutgers, albeit, looked pretty good. Um, he got hurt in that Penn State game. So I'm not really going to hold that against him until I see more film on him. Um, he looked fine last year. Uh, J.J. McCarthy is obviously a highly touted guy. Alan Bowman, while he's never been able to be consistent, obviously has the potential to go for big yards and throw lots of touchdowns. None of those guys individually um, really scare me that much if they were to start. I guess J.J. McCarthy, since he's a true freshman, I'd be afraid they'd break him. But um, I think the room's haunted. Like, like no shit. Like... <laughs> Since Jake Rudot came in and did the bare minimum to put a good roster in good positions and get Michigan wins, Wilton Spate was good in 2016 until he fucked up his shoulder against Iowa. Literally since then, it's haunted. I don't know. It's haunted. I don't know what to say. Like, it's it's a concern, and I'm normally a just look at the data guy, but I don't have the energy. It's haunted. I feel like shit about it. They the, the problem here is that any of those guys, we've seen true freshman QBs come in, albeit around surrounded by better teams, and it works. So, like if JJ McCarthy is a starter and this team's nothing special and he leads them to an eight and four season, I'm happy because he's a true freshman. Um, Alan Bowman could come in and be Jake Rudock and they could go nine and three, and I'd be like, okay, now McCarthy's a year closer to starting. McNamara could come in and do the same thing. 
but also they could all come in and it could mean terrible things. It could mean they're just less bad than the other ones and there's no direction on offense and it all starts from the quarterback position and how much faith they have in your arm. So I'm terrified. Maybe this should have been my money to make because they could be good, but I don't have faith in it. I'm scared. It's, it's amazing to me that uh, Bowman's getting less traction. And I know maybe Michigan – I know. More, no, I'm with more you. Pedigree. Yeah, I know they have more pedigree in their, their QB room. Like Peyton Thorne was not, you know, nearly the recruit um, that like a McCarthy is at Michigan, right? Or, um, or what Michigan gets basically every year. Like they're recruiting higher rated QBs that have the raw materials. They've just never been able to put it all together at U of M. And, and who knows where it's going wrong if it's just all you know, obviously for our narrative, we love to make fun of the QB whisperer thing and it's, it's all on Jim, but who knows where, where this is going off the rails, but they've always had the raw potential there. I'm kind of amazed that uh, it seems like Cade has really just won the job and, and held off Alan Bowman just because I thought wow. a chance so. for coming in would push him harder, but it seems like Cade's at least first snap of the year in there pretty comfortably who knows how long a leash he has, but it feels like he's probably comfortably first snap, you know? So I will say they've only been in fall camp for a few days and Alan Bowman was not here for spring ball. So when, oh, okay. when Cade McNamara gets named the starter heading into camp, I know it that is true. And it's good for me that Harbaugh is stating out loud to everybody, Cade, this is your job unless Alan takes it. And it's not a we'll see type situation because I think that's better for the mental health of everybody involved, which has a lot of impact on these games. Um, so I don't know. Um, I, I would still say if you ask me who I think is going to be the starter, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Cade McNamara. And my answer to that is, I mean, we, the sample size is so low. People say he looked kind of lost against Penn State last year. And that's true. But he got hurt fairly early in that game and also he was a redshirt freshman he's got another year in the program I can always just be optimistic that this will be the year Josh Gaddis really clicks as an offensive coordinator and uh you know I I I think it could go well for Cade but it's also just a little bit nerve-wracking because I see a lot of cool pieces on this offense and cool toys but if they're not a real threat to throw the running back room's job is a lot harder and uh, and you can't really show off Roman Wilson or the, anybody else in the wide receiver room. Uh, if, if the quarterback play is not astute. So that's, that's that. Um, we ready to go to sleepers. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we'll keep it rolling where you, uh, you roll right in here and hit me with your sleeper. Yeah. My sleeper to me, I feel like, I feel like we're not collectively talking about Cornelius Johnson enough because he's going into his junior year and, and his first two years, he was steady and reliable and he's big and he's not Nico Collins because he can't jump out of the room, but he's a, he's a solid piece at wide receiver. And I just feel like we're not talking about him enough as, as Michigan fans. And I think some of it comes from the trepidation from what we just talked about with the QB room. And I know that I used my kind of a similar stance with Roman Wilson, but 
Cornelius Johnson to me is just a sleeper in a different way. He's a, he's a third down wide receiver. I know third down back is usually the term, but he's your guy where I feel like you can get a good eight to 10 yard route for him. And he can really help along this offense in important ways. So that's why I'd mark him as my sleeper. So I'll be honest, I went a little deeper on my sleeper. My guy could end up hardly getting any involvement um, from the stat sheet. Like he'll get, I think he'll be in plays, but who knows if he's going to catch a lot of balls or what it looks like. But for me, uh, going into his sophomore year, Terry Lockett Jr., who's a freshman or sophomore wide receiver, rather. Um, again, circle back to, we take kids out of Minnesota, right? He's a Minnesota guy. Um, I think he flew under the radar last year, but actually played in six games. So, uh, it wasn't quite because of Ricky White's explosion against Michigan. Like if you talked about a freshman wide receiver, it would be Ricky White, but Terry Lockett probably with, since he didn't get injured, like White and also has not had, uh, whatever issues Ricky White has had this off season that made him miss spring ball and be away from the team a little bit. I think he's had a great chance to kind of get on that second ledge of wide receivers. There's going to be tons of competition. They brought in Christian Fitzpatrick from Louisville, who I think could be another guy who maybe shows up that no one's talking about because it's hard. I think the wide receiver room is really talented and really deep. I mean, Ricky White, Jalen Naylor, and Jaden Reed are three receivers I think could play at a lot of Big Ten schools. So it's an MSU offense that isn't probably going to throw the air raid. So the fourth and fifth receiver isn't going to get talked about, but um, that's a guy that could be something that no one is talking about right now. And by the end of the season has, you know, maybe push Ricky white out of the way a little bit, or uh, he reminds me a lot of like a BJ Cunningham type where he'll just catch everything. And before you know it, Oh, he had eight catches. That's crazy. I didn't feel like he had a, a, a huge day, but he just, he caught 11 yards for a first down when we needed it. And there we go. So, yeah, I hear you. That's a good pick. Um, I like a good deep cut. I guess that's what sleeper is supposed to be more, but uh, I just, I, we need to put respect, not respect. We need to put respect on Cornelius Johnson's name. So those were our four so, categories. I want to do some so more me, general stuff before we, before we finish. Yeah. We didn't mention add- the big boys up front. And so I want to do some O-line talk. And then uh, before we go, I want to talk about, because such a big part of football is not just the players you're playing with, but what the play callers are doing. So we need to talk about some coaching staff stuff. So first, let's keep doing players. Uh, let's talk, talk about your O-line. Let's keep going the way we were. Oh, man. Snakes. O-line, I think optimism is probably where we're at it, with MSUU always had the concern of uh, they've been injury riddled, but I think having a new staff and a new strength coach has kind of opened a lot of people's eyes to the fact of like, maybe that injury problem was what they were doing in the weight room or asking 290 pound guys to play left tackle and their bodies aren't made to do this. They're meant to be inside. Um, You know, so I think, I think uh, the new staff has kind of opened people's eyes on those injuries that we had. It wasn't just, oh, shucks, that's bad luck. Maybe it was, you really weren't doing things in the 21st century as far as building offensive linemen. So um, <laughs> I think that optimism with, you know, J.D. Duplain and Nick Samak, who are back, who have started since their freshman season, like mid-freshman season, I think that gives you a core in the middle that you feel good about. And um, 
it seems like we're going to have guys playing back in their their normal positions a little bit and where their bodies are supposed to be. Uh, has me optimistic. Um, it feels like there's some depth there, but there's a lot of unproven depth. Like I think when you look at a guy, like there's guys that have come on like a James Ohamba or other people that have apparently made big strides, um, you know, to, to impress under who's probably the most impressive coach that MSU has had on Mel Tucker's staff, which is an offensive line with uh, Chris Kovic. The hard part is a lot of the MSU optimism is really based off of like typical camp news, right? So we could roll out first week, have all the, the optimism about Jarrett Horst is, you know, here as a transfer and, and Oklahoma wanted him. And then we've got, you know, AJ R. Curry can go back and play tackle like he's supposed to, which allows you to, you know, move, um, keep Luke Campbell inside and, and all these things that you can say that get you excited. And then we could roll the ball out first week and it could just fall flat in its face. So I feel, feel the most optimistic I have in a long time about the line but it might just be a little bit early. So we're either going to take a big jump uh, in year two under Chris Kapilovich, or we're going to see that need a little bit more time for him to get his guys in. Um, he, For all what I've heard, he's amazing at coaching him up and he can work with what he's given. Um, but it's, it's cautious optimism, I would say. Gotcha. All right. Um, so in terms of Michigan's O-line, they are replacing Ed Warner, with Sharon Moore as the O-line coach. Uh, and they've got lots of young talent. So I think optimism is going to be a common word with this situation uh, because I, I really do feel decent about this. Got like guys who are just physically talented, like Zach Zinter, the center projected. Uh, just all these projections for the O-line are brought to you by Mason Brews uh, depth chart because Michigan obviously doesn't release one. Thank you. Um, and so Carson Barnhart at right tackle, Ryan Hayes at left tackle. You got a lot of athletes out here. Um, so I, I honestly feel pretty good about it. A lot of the words that have been coming out since Sharon Moore, uh, I believe, took over was about keeping it simpler, maybe. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they develop. I feel decent about them. Um, so that's the offense. How are you uh, losing Ed Warner? Because as a coach that I always wanted MSU to get, especially when we had his son on the team, we were hoping we can pull him in, right? So Yeah, how, yeah apparently, apparently the, the loss of Ed Warner in the room um, is being looked at in a positive light, I think, uh, because of the way he was potentially uh, deploying the run game. Because if you're not familiar, Ed Warner did have control of the run game and would be calling plays along with Josh Gaddis. Um, so that's another hope on offense. That's a great transition, actually, um, because we're going to go into the staffs. Um, I, I'm hoping maybe less cooks in the kitchen, but how many times have we said this before under Jim Harbaugh? You know, I mean, it feels like every year we're trying yeah. to be optimistic that less people are going to have their hands on the offense and more importantly, less Jim Harbaugh on the offense. I think a lot of people just wanted Josh Gaddis to be set free, but you know, now we're in year three and it's like Josh Gaddis put up, put up or shut up time if you can get some decent QB play and hopefully put your QBs in position to play pretty well. So it'll be interesting. 
how do you feel about your offensive play calling on, on the green side of things? I mean, I can't say Jay Johnson won anyone fully over last year. I'd say Jay Johnson was probably, when we look at Mel's initial staff, the most underwhelming part of what he brought in. Um, just from like a, I mean, there were some other coaches that were maybe a little unproven, but you could find a way to say like they're young or we can, we can trust Mel here, but with what Jay Johnson was compensated and what he's done in the past, it was probably the most eh part of the entire early Mel Tucker experience. Um, and I won't say that he did a lot last year to probably change many opinions. I would say if you want to find the optimistic side, I saw enough to get me excited about what this year could be, but this is going to be the big year of like, you can't say that we're completely under talented the way that you were last year. Like Connor Hayward is not your running back one now. So you don't have to, you don't have to act like um, we can't run the ball, but you also can lean on that as your reason why. Right. So um, I think uh, this will be a big prove it year for Jay Johnson. I think there's, for me, there's optimism of him working with a guy like a Russo, a, you know, Anthony Russo, uh, quarterback with like all these intangibles, something that Jay Johnson can really sink his teeth into because I think he's got a good track record of uh, succeeding when he's got a quarterback, like most coaches, um, when he's got a quarterback that he can sink his teeth into. But uh, I'm curious to see what happens. They they did some things like they did some tempo, and I know you've been hurting yourself watching this game back, and we know that Michigan had plenty of reasons uh, to struggle in their defensive backfield, but that game alone tells me like he at least has the chops on like previous regime to say Michigan's bad at covering this. I'm just going to fucking hammer it. And that's what I'm going to do. Now he underwhelmed some other, he underwhelmed in some other, other games and some other games, the turnovers were so sloppy and the score was so out of hand early. I don't really know how you judge Jay Johnson. You know, like if you're down 21, nothing to Iowa, just like that. Like, I don't know how you really judge an offensive coordinator when Rocky Lombardi's QB one and your running back one is Connor Hayward. So I think I'm not really like, I'm not concerned off of last year, but I wouldn't say that he did anything to make the initial concerns go away either. So it's going to be an interesting year for him. Um, and Mel has shown this off season, like he doesn't really have a problem getting rid of guys that are underperforming on the coaching staff. So it would be interesting to me, um, you know, if, if he did underperform what it, that would entail. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That's Jay Johnson. Man. Yeah. That, that's kind of how I feel. I, I, he could completely surprise us this year and continue to make us feel great. Like again, just hammering one Ricky white play over and over and over against Michigan, just throw the ball deep, let Rocky just throw it up and we'll go get it. Um, but you got to find more than that. You got you to be more nuanced this year. You got a full 12-game season. You have no excuses this year. We got to see more. Yep. And you know what has been, to kind of bring wrap this all up, you know what has just been shocking is um, how similar these conversations on the offensive side of the ball have been about both teams with Mel Tucker uh, rebuilding an absolutely nuked program in, in year two and Jim Harbaugh in year seven. And that's, I think, probably the worst part is that's not great because we have found a lot of similarities here based on how last year went. 
Um, but yeah, that's the offensive side of the ball. We get to talk oh. defense next week and then uh, deep dive into big picture stuff. Uh, hopefully the week after, man, I, I'm excited. Uh, even though it sucks, it really is hitting me that in about three weeks, maybe four, uh, we're getting some college football. We're getting Michigan against Western Michigan. We're getting Michigan State at Northwestern. I can't fucking wait for that game. Uh, and that's how you know I'm a true sicko. So, yeah. 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 Well, you, know, you kind of derailed. I was going to give you some good vibes there, and you went on the year two versus year seven, man. I was going to say, I, I got to be honest, having this conversation made my optimism in my offense way more than I ever thought. And I thought the Michigan conversation was good. But I think, yeah, you're right. The big narrative. It's probably that you should feel you shouldn't have felt surprised to realize you like where your offense is at because you probably should feel in year seven you just like where the offense is at. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think both these units it's it's going to be interesting to see what they are. I think you can really talk yourselves into them being surprisingly good, and then you could also just nihilistically say like. Yep, it's such just like I thought it would. <laughs> so yep. uh, it's it's kind of intriguing, and I think the biggest thing for me is the quarterback battles are going to be hella interesting <laughs> for both schools. Yeah, I think so too. Lots to look forward to in the month of August. Premier League starts next weekend, so that's exciting. Um, you know, Premier League being back really is the signal that falls starting soon because it's like oh the first with sports being back where every weekend I get Premier League until college football. And so I, that's really exciting. Uh, next weekend, yeah. we'll be able to talk about that on the pod. Who knows? Um, for I do want to cover real quick before we go. I've forgotten news. Uh, so we can just kind of end on this. The NBA draft was happening while we were recording last episode. Isaiah Livers gets drafted to the Pistons. Aaron Henry doesn't get drafted, eventually signs with, I believe, Washington or Philadelphia. Philly. 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 I always get feels those. Feels like a great spot for him. I think so, feels too. Like good. Like city hey. matching with Guy feels like a – You know what else is an interesting it gives, one? It gives Brendan Quinn more reason to write about Aaron Henry, and he's wrote some great stuff about Aaron Henry. So that let's is keep that rolling. Damn right. Um, You know what I thought of, too, is kind of a – not in the same way of a good fit, more in a good fit entertainment-wise. Chondi Brown to the Lakers with that old ass. Like, could you? can you imagine, can you think about for a moment Carmelo Anthony in practice being hounded by Char- Chondi Brown? Like, seriously. Like, or LeBron James being taken up, like, picking up full court by Chondi Brown trying to make a squad. Like, how? So, so how quick is he getting traded is what <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously. He's going to get cut. No, it's funny to think about, though. And yeah, I mean. He's going to have the Wagner thing, and he's going to end up with the Wagner brothers. Man. The Wagner brothers playing for Orlando, as the uh, the Bucket Problem podcast pointed out, unfortunately owned by the DeVos family. But, <laughs> but yeah. the Wagners are together, uh, and that's the yeah. important part. Um, it's gonna be hard for you to find green interest if you want to get to the billionaire that you like. That's you know, a good unfortunately. point. That's a we good. We can see point. that in Premier League, right? Like, I mean, we luckily are not owned by a Saudi prince or uh, oil conglomerate, but we're yeah, not only in much better situations. 
Only because we hate ourselves and didn't want to pick a team that was like too good. So we'd be because that was the source of both of us picking our teams. We didn't want to pick one of the big four. And so that's the only reason our I'm pretty sure my owner owner is like a billionaire off oil. So, you know, who cares? That's there is there is no sport fandom that is ethical. Wow. Not a one. No, because college is what it is. Hold on. It's better now because of NIL. And then all your professional teams are owned by fucking money-hungry billionaires. I only have to disagree because you can try and sully him all you want, Brendan. I will never, ever, ever put down my mantle for Iona or wherever the hell Rick Pitino is. 